Welcome to the Sharp Angles Podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Rich Rebar, TA, team over here at Sharp Football Analysis. Guys, here we are, heading into the final week of uh, the preseason. Uh, we have some uh, quarterback uh, competitions that have been uh, won, I guess. You know, Trevor Lawrence, QB1 in Jacksonville. <laughs> I, I don't Shocking. know if we saw that coming. Um, but uh, so here we go. Final week of the preseason, we're gonna see maybe some starters, maybe not, but it I mean football, it, it it's here. So uh before we really dive in, how are we doing today? Doing good, man. Last last weekend of the preseason, and we get kind of a week to kind of calibrate the season starting, but uh we're 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 very much here and i am very much ready because the take machine i think about had my limit of the, of the take machine of this of, this, of the summer what you don't like uh, <laughs> uh practices being uh passes being charted on uh, during practices and training camp i mean that seems uh very valuable we are in the weeds <laughs> <laughs> no, i mean it's good yeah finally hopefully get some uh, real game action and uh yeah, it's going to be different this year with the, the kind of the extra week. Uh, but it is a good week to do your fantasy drafts. I know all of my fantasy drafts are pretty much next week when nothing's going on. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's, there's not going to be any major injuries, you know, knock on wood. So, um, you know, that helps. But, uh, but yeah, really excited for the season to, to come around the corner here soon. Rich, how many fantasy drafts do you have next week? <laughs> uh, I mean, several. <laughs> it's, hundreds, it's several they're hundreds. all i mean I, I put them all on the calendar uh so my wife just knows but yeah it's basically i mean all next week you we were on the call yesterday you know trying to hash out our work and warren's trying to schedule the i'm like dude i got all these days tied up i've got these hours tied up but just it is what it is and like ta said that with the way the schedule fell this week with having that off week there's not gonna be any injuries so everyone it just made the most sense everyone do their drafts you know after this weekend so and you have labor day too you have the labor day holiday which is always popular uh, everyone gets Monday off. Uh, the majority of people do. Uh, so you have that kind of open things up to to kind of, you know, party and make it an event, you know, for live drafts. But a lot of online drafts, uh, FFPC drafts this week. We're going to hit the main events hard. Uh, but I'm definitely ready. Yeah, Rich, Rich is just going to be in like one just constant fantasy draft. There's, there's no, there's no time when Rich it's is felt like that for months game. already, to be honest. It's already felt like that for months. I mean, I'm in I'm in four leagues, and that feels like a lot when I'm doing like back to back to back drafts. I can't imagine like some of the guys that are doing like fifty have done like fifty drafts. I feel like there's some people that every day it's like oh, I just did a draft. Here's my life, and it's like how how do you, how many drafts are you doing? Like it's just doesn't that just get annoying? It just gets repetitive. Yeah, it's a, there's definitely periods where, you know, you kind of just fall into like the groove of like you're starting to draft like similar teams. So you just split it up. I, I mean, obviously, when you get the home leagues involved, though, it adds a new element because the way I've been drafting teams and drafting in industry leagues, like there'll be all that can be thrown out the window when you get in your, your home leagues because uh, someone will do something wild, man. Oh yeah. <laughs> and they read all your stuff. So they know exactly who you're going to take. <laughs> yeah. I, it's only happened once in my life where I actually showed up to a, a draft uh, and someone actually had a magazine where I did like all the stuff and he didn't know who I was. <laughs> oh, and it was when I worked for Roto world and was like actually on like my rankings and reading the stuff. Like I thought it was really, it was one of those like fun moments for me. <laughs> that is. Oh God. That's great. Um, so uh, as, as we head into here, we're, we have a, a fun show here. We're going to uh, do some player props. We kind of all took about like a, a hundred uh, hypothetical dollars. We're, we're just going to spread it around uh, through some props and, and give out some, some things we like a little bit, kind of, kind of a draft, kind of just a uh, picking what we want. But uh, before we get to that, let's hit on the, some of the news. I think the, the big news, like we hit the quarterback uh, competitions, obviously Trevor Lawrence was you know, going to be QB one in, in Jacksonville. And that, that was kind of the news that came out. But uh, I think the, the one that kind of matters a little more is what happened in Denver, uh, where Teddy Bridgewater was named uh, the starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos. We have talked uh, a lot about the Denver Broncos uh, over the past few months, really. Um, TA is a very big proponent of uh, what the Broncos potential could be. And I, I just kind of think this, this makes a lot of sense. I know there was, there's a lot of talk about Drew Locke's upside, but like if that ups are in, in a higher ceiling but if drew lock showed any potential to hit even near that ceiling he would not have lost a 
quarterback competition to Teddy Bridgewater. Um, and, and just because, you know, I, I think we've kind of, there's been some, well, the way we've talked about this quarterback competition is like Drew Locke is on the precipice of like 2019 Jameis Winston and, <laughs> and Teddy Bridgewater is like 2019 or like 2018 Alex Smith. And like, that's just not the case either. So if, if you look at right. uh, sports info solutions, they track, you know, they obviously track EPA. So if you look at just last year, uh, the number of the percentage of pass attempts that had over one EPA, which they consider a, a boom play, which is like a big play. Teddy Bridgewater was at 22.9%. Drew Locke was at 21.6%. So like, even though Drew Locke's, you know, big plays look cooler because they're usually deeper, they're, you know, nicely thrown deep balls. It's just, they're not there often enough to really is bring out whatever kind of hypothetical upside uh, is there. So it, just because Bridgewater is more conservative, it uh, does not necessarily mean it, it's worse or even less explosive. Cause I think those big plays can still be there, especially with the uh, Denver. Uh, we saw it last year with Carolina's receiving core. That was like a top 10 offense, like halfway through the season before Bridgewater got hurt. And then it really kind of plummeted. So uh, just because Bridgewater is conservative, it does not necessarily mean it, it's going to be a worse or less impactful offense. Yeah. And, and so there's two different um, ways to approach this. Right. And, and it's like, you know, so I defend the uh, Teddy Bridgewater a lot. And I, again, I, I've been a proponent of Denver all off season early on. It was because I thought they could uh, go after Deshaun Watson. Uh, obviously it was before all the off the field troubles, but I just knew that their roster was really uh, was looking really good. Um, and just any sort of competent quarterback play could really vault them into, you know, playoff contention. And so, you know, so I have been a proponent of theirs all, all season. Now, Teddy Bridgewater is not going to win you a Super Bowl. So this is, again, separate, like, real, like, hey, is the, what's the upside here? Is he, are you going to win a Super Bowl with this team? No, you're, you're, you're not. But can you, you know, win 10 games? Can you compete for a wild card? Can you um, at least show, maybe show Aaron Rodgers next year that, hey, this is a real roster that is just one star quarterback away? you know, from being a Super Bowl uh, contender, like that's kind of what you're doing here. But I just think with Drew Locke, you're not really doing anything. I mean, he proved last year that he just is not a starting caliber quarterback. Um, you know, he does have that kind of big arm that that I think everybody falls in love with. But, you know, Ted, Teddy Bridgewater has won games. I, and I know we don't look at QB wins, but when you look at the context of, you know, where where has he won games? Like in what um, what kind of offenses, what kind of teams has he won, um, won a lot of games? He's, he's gone 16 and what, 16 and five, I believe, as a starter with Minnesota in his second year and with uh, the Saints uh, in five starts uh, two years ago. And those were teams that, um, you know, had top 15 defenses if you look at DVOA. So he's a guy that's going to not turn the ball over a lot. He's going to make the easy throws, right? He's going to let his receivers do a lot of the work. Uh, he's going to keep you in a lot of games and he's going to win you a lot of games. And that's, that's what you're getting here with this Denver team. You've got a really good defense. You got maybe the best secondary in the NFL. You've got a much easier schedule. I mean, you're going from the second toughest schedule in the NFL to a top five easiest schedule um, in the NFL. You look at, uh, he was, I think Warren tweeted out, he went from like the, the toughest opponent's um, schedule of past defenses face when he was with Carolina last year to the number one easiest. Denver lost the most EPA um, in the NFL from turnovers. And that was both because the defense didn't cause any, but also because Drew Locke was a turnover machine. Um, they were 26 in adjusted games lost due to injury. So obviously you, you hope that that doesn't repeat itself and you get guys like Von Miller back and, um, you know, uh, obviously Cortland Sutton, and some others, you know, that they're, they're, they allowed their opponents to kick the second highest uh, percentage of field goals in the NFL in terms of makes which is, you know, kind of a random thing. So like, there's so much regression that it could be coming here. And if you just have a stable, stable enough quarterback and a guy like Bridgewater, you, you should be able to win 10 games, I think. Um, so again, separating out, like, is this a Super Bowl contender? No, I don't think it is either way with either quarterback, but like I, if I'm Vic Fangio and my job's on the line, like I want Teddy Bridgewater, I want to win those nine, 10 games. Right. And so it gives me hope for next year. Whereas a guy like Drew Locke, like, I just don't see that upside at all here. So uh, long winded, but I, I really think it's the right move. It's the most obvious move 
Um, Carolina's paying like 70% of his salary. So don't even use, I mean, he, they're getting Teddy Bridgewater is essentially playing on like a, as like a fifth round rookie uh, salary. It's like, it's like virtually nothing. So all of it makes a lot of sense. I think here for, uh, for Denver. I think we thought, I mean, we saw this immediately when he was traded that there was Vic Fangio coming his third year getting a guy that was not going to put the team in, in spots to lose. Everyone knows, you know, Teddy's, you know, kind of record against the spread. They don't, he, they just don't, when they lose, they lose close games. I mean, you saw that even last year on a Carolina team that was dreadful. I mean, they go to the wire against the chiefs, you know, they are, they, they, they only lose by a touchdown to the Packers. They're in all these games against good teams. And, you know, it was only going to take a certain amount of time for Teddy Bridgewater's attributes to adhere themselves to a guy like Vic Fangio, a defensive minded coach in his third year uh, on his contract, you know, is it a, it's a make or break year for him, like you alluded to. So, I mean, we kind of all thought that when he got traded, the interesting dynamic now is does, you know, no pun intended, does Bridgewater becoming the bridge quarterback now put Denver in the franchise in a, in a spot that actually hurts them. You know, obviously you don't want to say like them making the playoffs doesn't hurt them, but if they don't, if they fail to land Aaron Rodgers next year, you bypass now in a quarterback rich class in this class, you know, they didn't pay, they had an opportunity to take Justin Fields or Mac Jones at their, at their draft selection. And because they traded with Bridgewater two days before the draft, they bypass on that. Uh, And, you know, if you're in purgatory, you know, kind of picking at pick 18 to 20, are you gonna be able to land in the next quarterback prospect? So it's gonna be interesting to see how it plays out big term. But I think we all thought that this was going to happen. Drew Locke, just the turnover-worthy plays, not being able to keep the offense on script. Uh, you know, Denver was last in the league in the NFL and catchable target rate last year in the NFL. Drew Locke has this – you guys talk about his arm. The, the guy takes so many deep shots. He was third in the NFL on deep, tar, deep target rate last year in amount of throws to go over 15 yards downfield. He was 35th, 35th in completion rate. The dude yeah. loves to push the ball downfield. He's not good at it. He's not <laughs> accurate enough. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, it, it was something I think we all thought that the second Teddy Bridgewater was traded to the Broncos, it was going to be very short-lived. The leash was going to be tight, and we didn't even get to make it in the season with Drew Locke. Well, it's funny. I mean, you talk about those lock down the field numbers being bad. I mean, he was 33rd in short passing adjusted completion percentage. If you look at PFF, Teddy was number one. He was actually ahead of Aaron Rodgers. So like, okay, if if you're not, if you're not great at one thing, like at least be really good or excel in one area of the field, at least Teddy can throw, you know, throw it short. I mean, we saw, if you saw that preseason game last week against, um, I think it was against Minnesota, um, you know, oh, sorry, it was against Seattle. Mm-hmm. It was a fourth and five and Teddy threw like a, just a, a standard, like eight yard, you know, slant or, or in to Jerry Judy. And he led him perfectly and he caught it and turned into like a 40 yard pass. That's all you got to do. Just throw, make the easy throws. Let your, your great wide receivers do all the work. And Drew Locke couldn't do that. Like he just wasn't even accurate on the easy throws. And that, that's, that makes a huge difference here. Yeah, and the Broncos open with the Giants, the Jaguars, and the Jets. Those are three games. Two are on the road, so, I mean, they're not freebies. But you start Drew Locke, I mean, those are all questionable games where you can play yourself into losses before you play the Ravens, before you play the Steelers, before you play the Browns, before you play Washington. Like, you, Denver's in a spot where they need to come out and win two or three of those games to open up because they're going to be favored in those games. Yeah, you got to go two and one at minimum. And mm-hmm. I think they'll be favored in all three. I believe they're still favored in New York in week one. I haven't looked at the lines recently, but I know they were like two point favorites. It's either a pick them or, you know, it's one point either way. But yeah, they'll be favored to win those three games. And you just, you really should win two of the three. Like you go start off two and one. I think you're in a good spot, but one and two. And, you know, then, then it's, it's like, uh oh, if we can't beat those teams, then we could be in trouble. But um, yeah, I just think it makes total sense. And, um, you know, like I said, I, I, the thing about the draft pick, I think their, their, their roster, as long as there's no injuries, even with Drew Locke, they'll probably win like six games anyway. So like, you're still not in the top five. And I, I don't know if, if what's going to happen next year is Aaron Rodgers is going to be able to, maybe he's worked it out with the team that like, look, I can kind of point to where I want to go. You guys make it work out. So maybe the, the Broncos wouldn't have the single best package in a trade situation but they've got good enough and you know that's where he wants to go so the team will oblige I don't know we don't we don't know how this works out look I would have loved to have seen Justin Fields here (laughs) uh, in the top 10 instead of Patrick Sertain but um, you know maybe they knew something you know that that um, that the rest of us don't and look it's funny the Everson Griffin stuff I don't know if you saw that apparently he was tweeting last year about how bad Kirk Cousins was and how (laughs) <laughs> you know, how like Zimmer didn't actually want him. And you, we, we all know who wanted him. And it kind of uh, pointed to uh, George Patton, who's the 
um, the new GM with Denver. So maybe he thinks that he can pry Kirk Cousins next year. I don't know. I mean, not saying that's much better, but I think he's got to have some plan in mind. Like he thinks that like we're going to be able to get Rodgers or Deshaun Watson or even Kirk Cousins. Like we're going to be able to do something. So that's why they decide to pass on field. But you still have certain, you still have young talent that you could trade. You could trade one of those receivers along with draft picks to get a guy like Aaron Rodgers. So I still think they have enough ammo to eventually do something here. Um, and there's enough guys available. I mean, if it's Deshaun Watson and it's Aaron Rodgers, you know, and it's somebody else, like there are multiple guys. So it's going to dilute the trade up trade packages that are available. So I guess for them, it's like, let's just figure that out later. Um, I don't think they could do a full tank. They can't do a Jacksonville. You're never with that roster. You're never going to go one fifteen. So um, to them, they're like, well, let's just try and win now. Yeah. Vic Fangio is not about that. He's not wired that way. No, he doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that is, the, the most interesting thing is not exactly what this means for 2021, but what it does mean for 2022. And like, I kind of, I wrote about this, uh, I did the, the Washington chapter in the football outsiders almanac. They're in the same position, right? They have a roster that's pretty good. Some really good defensive talent, uh, some interesting guys uh, on the offense. And they went with Ryan Fitzpatrick to kind of bridge that. And it's going to be maybe good enough to get them in the playoffs, not bad enough where they're going to be terrible, um, but kind of leaves them with a question mark of what they're going to do at quarterback going forward. Cause they're going to need to figure that out. I think they're, those are, are two, I think very similar teams uh, going into uh, the, the same type of position uh, in 2022, as they're trying to gonna get the most out of a, a young defensive roster. Um, so I think that's really it's going to be interesting to see the, the path that those two take. We're going to uh, let's, let's move on to uh, the, the big topic of, of our show today, and it's going to be props. So like you said at the top, uh, we each took a hypothetical $100. We spread them out over all the types of, uh, of bets we, we might want to uh, potentially make. This is kind of going to be a, a pseudo way we talk about how we feel the season is going to play out, really. Um, so... Um, Let's just uh, get into it then. I think all, all the odds we took were, were from DraftKings. Uh, so we're going to do that. So we're just going to go around, uh, give our, our bets. Uh, we'll, uh, I guess we'll, we'll make a record of them, I think, if we, yeah. if we want Highest to. return or, on investment. Or, yeah, or, we can, or we can completely forget about it, which uh, I wish, again, I wish we did about the, the team draft last year. Uh, hopefully. You can redeem a, yourself. Yeah, I'm going to try to redeem myself. So I think the, the plan is to do that next week. Um, to do our, our team wins draft next week uh, in that little dead period before the season starts. So, uh, but there, now, so this is going to be the player props, some like some futures win total. This, this is uh, whatever really we wanted outside of, uh, actually really not outside of anything, the awards. Uh, so we kind of left it really open. So uh, anyone want to uh, jump in, give their first one. Yeah. Okay. Fine. I'll start. Um, so I did this really quickly. I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. I did not have a lot of time to do this. So um, there are a couple, and I don't I don't typically bet a ton of player props. I do a couple of kind of longer shots, and that's kind of my forte is to is bet a little bit to win a lot. So one guy I like, um, and I put ten bucks on it out of the hundred that's allocated to um, most rushing yards. A guy I think our, our entire podcast probably likes. But I just took a shot at Austin Eckler, 50 to one for most rushing yards. Um, I think he's going to have a monster year. I think that, um, you know, they faced the easiest run schedule in the NFL. If you look at EPA last year. Um, so they've got a bunch of uh, easier defenses, I guess, to go against. Um, I don't think he really has real competition. Uh, I don't think it's going to be the Anthony Lynn style of just kind of rotating Kalen Balage and all these like stiffs down there. I think he's, I think, uh, Brandon Staley is going to use Austin Eckler a lot more. And I think he's primed for have a big, you know, to have a big year. So, um, you know, I guess since I'm here, I'll just also say I did take his over separately, 825 and a half rushing yards. I think that's pretty light, especially it's pretty light in a 16 game year, a season and 17 games. I think it's extra light. So uh, put 25 bucks on that. So 35 bucks allocated to Austin Eckler, no pressure for him to stay healthy this year. But um, I thought that was from a, from a long shot perspective. I thought that that, that was one that um, couldn't make sense. Any, anybody want to criticize? I'd like to hear. <laughs> I have no, uh, no additional commentary. I mean, it's a nice side. Uh, it's a nice long shot, long shot bet. No, he's a, I, he's I, a big 
fantasy football guy, right, Rich? So we got to support. We gotta well, support. that's yeah, what I was going to say. The, yeah. the fantasy thing with him is that whether he gets red zone carries or not, but having the open field carries to hit those yardage totals mm-hmm. kind of seems like it. That like if you were going to do something on Austin Eckler, that's probably where yeah. you would want to go, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the biggest question that we have is just, is he, are they going to let him, you know, actually score the touchdowns? He's going to definitely be the the guy that's going to basically get targeted out of the backfield and get the bulk of the, the work. So, I mean, I like if you're going to choose Austin Eckler props, overall rushing yardage and, you know, the long shot to lead the league in rushing yards is the play with him. And he doesn't, I mean, he's got a much better, I didn't even mention this, they got a much better offensive line this year, right? Like they, right. The, they drafted Rashawn Slater. They got Corey Lindsley. Like they've got a, a legitimate, you know, top ten potential offensive line to go along with it. And you think they're a better team, so they will have more opportunities to, you know, sit on the ball a little bit. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's he's just one of those guys. He breaks tackles. He doesn't even need a great offensive line. Like that's just a bonus. So, you know, his yards after contact are, are really solid. So. I mean, look, he, he averaged, I mean, they only played 10 games last year and he averaged about 53 yards per game. And I think, I mean, I'm assuming that's how they came up with this 825 yard prop um, over like a, they always a full do. season. I mean, it seems pretty, you know, that's kind of generic. I don't think they put much effort into that, much work into that. So um, I think that's where you can, you know, uh, usually there's player props that you can bet on DraftKings and other are much, you know, much lower limits. It's not like you can really right. um, make huge amounts of money. But um, I think that's one for me. I think that one that makes sense as long as he stays healthy. Uh, I think that's a good number. Nice. All right. I'll, uh, I'll jump in here. Um, so I took Jared Goff for the most interceptions at uh, $10 at plus 800. Um, looking at guys who could potentially lead the league in interceptions. Uh, it's got to be a guy who doesn't really have uh you can't get much benched. of a chance of getting benched. And I think Jared Goff is, is there. Uh, you look at, he threw 13 interceptions, which was tied for third last year. And like, these don't have to be like interceptions just have, have gone down. So you don't have to throw 25 interceptions anymore to, to lead the league. 15 led the league last year. Um, but you have to have a guy who's, you know, not really in danger of getting benched. Um, you know, a guy who's, not going to be throwing to very good wide receivers. And it kind of seems like those wide receivers on Detroit is going down by the day. I think uh, Terrell Williams is uh, hurt and dealing with some injuries there. Um, you know, at full strength, this uh, Lions receiving core was not going to be uh, amazing. So when you look at how many interceptions Jared Goff had, had last year in an offense where he wasn't really even taking any chances uh, to potentially throw picks, he was still somehow managed to do it. Um, I know we kind of talked in, in our quarterback episode how we're, you know, we've gone a little too far in the Jared Goff is, you know, one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. Uh, he's, he's fine. Uh, but I think just in this situation, uh, especially at plus 800, I, if you're going to look at someone who can lead the league in interceptions, I think that's probably a, a place to go. Yeah. I like that one, man. I like that one. Yeah, you talk about the sense. guys. Yeah. I mean, the, the guys that you talk about not getting benched, you'd probably look at, cause you know, Jameis and Garoppolo probably yeah. have don't make it. They're the, they're two guys that have high ter- interception rates. Uh, then you've got probably, you know, Darnold, I think is the lowest odds, right? Like he's the, yeah. he's the favorite. So that's no fun. You never want to bet on the favorite in those. Uh, and it, so they're basically down to what? Wentz and Goff. I can't believe Daniel Jones wasn't on. Uh, oh yeah, Daniel Jones. So this was, uh, was another one I was thinking of that didn't go. Because <laughs> he'll with. never get benched, right? So uh, Daniel Jones over 12 and a half interceptions is minus 105. And I thought about doing that for one of these, you know, you're going to have an offense, especially with the Kenny Galladay is going to try to push the ball down the field a little more. There's going to be so many tight window throws. And this is a guy who loves tight windows in general. I've never seen more tight windows for a slant throw um, by really any other quarterback. So uh, he, he loves those types of throws. So I think there's going to be a lot more interceptions, but I decided to not make that an official pick, uh, but it's one I did have on, on a list. Andy, I see Andy Dalton's 35 to one. Now, how many interceptions can he throw in like three weeks? Is that, uh, can we get there? <laughs> I don't know. We might find out. I mean, listen, I know the show wasn't about this, but can we stop the narrative of that? Like 
Andy Dalton started is starting only because it's against the Rams. Like, oh gosh, the, I hate, the, oh, God. don't get me started. I know, man. I don't want to do, but it's the oh. silliest thing. Like, you would think if you're playing against the the Rams with Andy Dalton, it actually lowers your chances to win. Like a guy like Justin Fields would actually help you to maybe pull yeah. off an upset in that situation. But all right, all right, all right. All right. Uh, uh, you guys had two fun ones, and I don't really have like a lot of great fun <laughs> ones. Uh, I mean, I, I'll go just chalky to open. Uh, just two Joe Burrow bets. Obviously, the over on his passing yards, which has gotten hit but still i'm gonna put 15 of my dollars on it because i just think it's it's still an egregious line it still hasn't gotten there i mean joe burrow on a 17 game season was pacing for 4700 passing yards this is a team that's still going to be trailing a lot they're pass heavy no one threw the ball at a higher rate in the first quarter than the Bengals. um he's going to be playing this week and he's going to start week one really the only i think the only way it hits is, is, is if he doesn't play the full the full games and then I'll also take five of my dollars and put it on him leading the league in passing yards for all those kind of, you know, same reasons we kind of touched upon. Uh, you know, he was leading the league in dropbacks per game before he got hurt. And the Bengals are just a team. I, the, the interesting thing is the Bengals defense, I actually think it's going to be a lot better than people think, but they're just still not going to be winning games, uh, which is going to keep them being so hyper-aggressive uh, throwing the football. And they have a tough schedule and tough right. division. So yeah. They'll be have to throw, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the key. When I, I, I ran that article last week about, kind of what it takes to, to lead the league in passing yards. It's not like, it's not the Mahomes of the world, Tom Brady's of the world. It's not like you have to be on the best team. It's you have to actually be on kind of a, a mediocre team that is going to throw a lot because you're going to be down a lot, but you aren't so bad that you, you know, are going to be replaced. It's like, it's like that, that little formula of, you know, you just kind of need that, that, that middle ground of, you know, good enough to be kind of in games and winning some games, but, you know, you're not good enough where you're, you're sitting on the ball a lot in the fourth quarter and you're, you know, sitting at the end of the season. It's so I think Burrow definitely, definitely fits that. I mean, I can give, since we're talking about most passing yards, I'll give a a long shot. And again, this came from my analysis and I was just like, I kind of don't want to do this, but it actually probably can make sense. I'm going to put $10 on big Ben to lead the NFL in passing yards at 50 to one. Okay. I just think the odds are egregious here. Um, you know, obviously we, we talk negatively about big Ben, but you know, he still throws the ball a lot. His attempts will be high. Um, he has no competition. I mean, I don't think Mason Rudolph is unseating him, uh, in, uh, in this season. So he's, he's got no real competition there. It's funny. They actually face the toughest, the second toughest schedule in the NFL when you look at win totals, but he also faces the third easiest set of pass defenses based on last year's EPA numbers. So even though it's a tough schedule, those, those teams don't have a lot of great pass defenses. I think he faces seven bottom 10 pass defenses when you look at um, EPA from last year. So, um, you know, he, he is going to be able to, I think, put up some yards. Um, you know, I'm not a believer that Najee Harris is also going to turn on that offense and he's going to help, but I think he's also going to dump the ball off a lot to him. You know, that's going to be extension of the, of the run game. Um, but I just think they are, again, the formula hits. He's a veteran quarterback, a lot of veterans, a lot of guys over the age of 30 have, have kind of led the league in, in passing yards. It's not a lot of the young guys. It's guys kind of in that, you know, 30 plus range. Um, again, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a tough schedule overall. So they're going to have to throw a lot. He's not going to be, you know, sitting the, uh, you know, they're not going to be running the ball in the fourth quarter a lot against guys like, you know, teams like Detroit, like he's going to be facing a lot of tough teams. So he's going to be, he's going to have to throw no competition. He still has a lot of weapons. It's not like he's throwing to nobody. Um, so I, I just think all of that kind of, you know, they're not going to be a great team. They're not going to be a bad team. They're going to be around 500 at least most likely. So you know, I just think for the for the odds, and he's led the league in the in passing, I think twice before, so he's done it. Um, you know, I think he's a guy that uh, that has a shot and at fifty one. I think it's just, it's just good from an odds perspective. I think it's good value. You know, the, the Steelers are interesting because you brought up how they have a, a tough schedule overall, but they face a, a, a weaker pass schedule. The same thing as rushing schedules is the same thing as well. When I was looking at some of their stuff. They, yeah. they, they face teams that have a high win totals, but not good defenses. So it's right. going to be interesting to see how it plays out for the Steelers this year uh, in totality. Cause I know a lot of people are leaving them for dead in a sense. Yeah. Like it's, I mean, I, I have to go look through this. Okay. So they face a team like um, Seattle, for example. I mean, we know mm-hmm. Seattle's a good team, but their defense stinks. Um, even the Browns. I mean, we, we think the Browns defense will be improved, but you know, are they even going to be top half? I don't know. You know, Minnesota, I mean, Tennessee is a perfect example, right? The Packers are a team that we're not scared of their defense. Kansas City, you know, like all these teams that are good teams because they have great offenses and you're going to have to win in shootouts, right? Mm-hmm. So he's going to have the opportunity to put up some, some yardage. 
Yeah, and that was one thing that stuck out to me too when I was looking at the Steelers a little bit last week. I was like, man, they, they face a tough schedule for win totals, but none of these defenses are, are, are projecting to be good. Where's Where's Ben going, by the way? I haven't because again, I haven't done a draft yet. Where's he going? Is he even like? Is he he's just, in, like, bottom in, second tier, but bottom in, you know number two? He's going to get drafted at one quarterback leagues, right? I mean, why not? I think oh, in one quarterback <laughs> league, yeah, yeah, I think he's a decent. I mean, you can need him for a couple starts. I mean, yeah. I think oh, he's yeah. throw the ball. I mean, why not? Yeah, he's in that streaming bucket. Yeah, there you go. All right, who's next here? All right, I'll, Dan? I'll, yeah, sure, I'll I'll go, and uh, we're this uh, have two that are um, you know, re- related, and, and basically the the same bet, kind of like how you did the the Eckler rushing yards and is over um uh, brian burns over nine and a half sacks at uh plus 110 we're gonna put 20 dollars on that uh, i got a brian burns bet too Go ahead. Okay. and so and then to to piggyback on that uh brian burns at plus 1800 to lead the league in sacks i'm gonna throw ten dollars uh on wow. that um, I actually I mean, had 18 to one. I had that. And then I changed it. So, you know what, if he's going to lead the league at sacks, let me take his defensive player of the year at 40 to one. Okay. So yeah. That, with that works that. too. Yeah. Um, I got 10 bucks on that, by the way, for the record, but I'll let you uh, talk. Nice. About, uh, Burns. Yeah. So he had, uh, he like put up those numbers uh, last year. And I, I just think he's, he's in for a, a big, uh, a big year. He had 21 quarterback hits. Uh, so he converted just a little under 50%, but I think he's a guy who could probably, you know, convert a little more. Uh, I'm, I'm big on kind of seeing how those hits turn into sacks. Usually it's, a, it's around 40% and that tends to regress to the mean. Uh, but I think he's a guy who's probably going to get to the quarterback a little more. I think, um, you know, the, uh, Opponents are going to have to pass on the Panthers a little more, I think, because I think games might be a, a little closer because I think the defense is going to be, you know, a, a little better. So I think there's going to be more opportunities for him to rush the passer. We talk about the Panthers being this, you know, good team that um, uh, that was doing cool things on defense last year and didn't really have um, – you know, the players to do it, especially in their coverage, they were running some of those tight fronts. And now you're going to have like three interior defensive linemen with Burns and Hassan Reddick on, on the outside um, in some of these like five man fronts. Uh, I think that's going to be uh, a lot of fun. That's going to create some more uh, pressure looks. I think that'll give Burns a, some more opportunities to get to the quarterback. I think the the cornerback group is, is going to be a little better. You know, you have JC Horn now to go along with uh, uh, Dante Jackson, who, uh, you know, showed some flashes last year so i just i think the secondary is going to be a little better give that pass rush a little more time to uh to get to the quarterback so um burns over nine and a half sacks i think is is absolutely going to happen and i think a nice long shot is uh him leading the league uh in sacks to uh to just go on top of that yeah i agree and i think the hassan reddick i think that was such an i've talked about it i think it's a totally underrated you know it's not going to put up the same sack numbers he had last year because his his uh sack percentage to pressures that percentage was just unsustainable, but I think he can get you seven, eight sacks, a very good compliment. So that'll definitely help Burns. And look, you know what, put it over the top. You're going to laugh. What put it over the top for me for defensive player of the year? Cause you do have to get like, you know, the occasional sack fumble, you know, strip fumble touchdown or interception is he's going to face Jameis maybe twice. So we got a couple opportunities for some turnovers uh, that, that can turn into something. So uh, that's why I decided to go with the 40 to one shot. If he's going to lead the league in sacks, he's going to be in the conversation for player of the year on defense. So, um, but I, I, I love that one. And, you know, we're big Panthers fans here. So. Yeah, I've got Panthers wins just because I haven't had a chance to bet it. So I threw it on here just for, for 10 to over seven and a half. I know TAs wrote about it on a site, so you can check that out. We won't get in the weeds on there, but since it's a Panthers section, uh, I just wanted to put the, the Panthers over and a half seven wins. Uh, on here for 10 bucks as well and i, right, so, I had carolina to make the playoffs at plus 210 10 bucks so that's we're the, checking all the panthers off panther the section baby all right hold on so i'm gonna jump in with my <laughs> panthers hedge here and it's uh matt rule coach of the year oh uh, it's six, 16 to one i'm gonna put because if the panthers do all of this he's going to be up there um yeah it's basically know, a most improvement award Right. It Absolutely. is. And I think if you look, you know, historically at what Matt Rule has done in his second season, um, you know, what he did at Temple turned around like a, a one in 11 team. They you know, won uh, significantly more games in their second season. It was the same thing at Baylor. Um, you know, I've been down on the quarterback uh, that they selected to go uh, in Carolina, but I 
again, I, I like a lot of what they're doing everywhere else. Um, so this is kind of my, my hedge on the Panthers. I think Matt Rule has done a lot of good things. I think he's a very good coach. I think when, even when you look at things like, you know, fourth down decisions, um, but there were some big ones where he could have gone one way or the other. But uh, if you look at Football Outsiders Aggressiveness Index, uh, he was ninth um, in in that category uh, last year, um, in the like rate in which he went for it, he was second only behind Matt before. So I think that's something they can continue to build upon. So I think they're doing some good things to get some edges there. So if you know Darnold is fine, which again I'm not betting on that, and I don't necessarily want to bet on you know the the win total or to make the playoffs. But if they do, I think Matt Rule is definitely a contender for for Coach of the Year. So that's where I'm gonna uh, put that bet there. I know that's a good analysis. Like you said, if they do make the playoffs and those sorts of things, he's definitely going to be in contention, uh, no doubt. So uh, I like that one. Rich, what do you got? Um, I've got a pair of Ezekiel Elliott longer shots uh, to lead the NFL in rushing yards and most rushing touchdowns. Uh, I think when you look at Zeke last year, just the amount of things that went wrong for him just kind of snowballed. I mean, he, he started the year with COVID. He had a calf injury. Uh, Lael Collins, Tyron Smith, and Zach Martin combined to miss 36 games. Dak Prescott misses 11 games. Kind of everything went against him. Uh, he converted just 22.7% of his touches inside the five for touchdowns prior to his career. Uh, last year, he converted 54% of those. Uh, he converted just five of 12 carries in the one yard line prior to, his, uh, prior to last year, he converted 12 of 14. And the other thing with Dak Prescott is uh, of all starting quarterbacks in the NFL, Dak Prescott actually is the lowest percentage of career passing touchdowns from inside of the 10 yard line, which is 31.3%. And even last year, losing Jason Garrett and getting Mike McCarthy in the five games that Dak Prescott played. Uh, they were 27th in passing rate inside of the 10-yard line. I don't know if this is a Jerry Jones thing or just coaches think they have Ezekiel and they've got to give him touches. But then when you pair Dex, like kind of shoulder injury to start the year, uh, I think they're going to lean on, you know, kind of the run a little bit early in the season. Um, and they've always leaned on Zeke in the red zone, even with this new regime and this new staff with, even with Kellen Moore. So, uh, on those, I'm just going to throw what would be like a half unit and a quarter unit. So it'd be $7 and 50 cents total kind of total, but, uh, I'm going to go with my cents. Look at Richard, the cents. I like it. Well, I mean, you you know, we we were breaking the hundred dollars throws it off a little bit, but you know, I would say if you're going unit weight, you'd just be like, you know, a quarter unit and a half unit, but that's what we'll do with some Zeke props. I like it. And as someone who had Zeke in a dynasty, my big dynasty league, I was, it was so frustrating uh, watching him inside the goal line. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Just either get stuffed or Dak would keep it on the, you know, on the read option or they would throw, oh, how many fades are we going to see to CD lamb? Uh, I, I already know that's because you see it in, in all these highlights on Twitter. Well, uh, I feel sorry for Dan. How many fades are we going to see to Kenny Galilee that just like hit the back <laughs> of the pylon? <laughs> This is an anti-fade podcast. Hope everyone realizes. You know, Jason Garrett's ready to die with some Kenny Galladay fades. Oh my God. I mean, I, (laughs) uh, there was a, from early in training camp, uh, the giants apparently spent one, uh, the red zone session, like almost entirely on fades. I believe, uh, uh, Dan Duggan from, uh, the athletic, uh, said, uh, it was an excessive uh, amount of fades. Um, (laughs) And then they spent an entire uh, other uh, session working on wide receiver screens. So definitely getting uh, the efficiency. When you add Kadarius Tony and you add Kenny Galladay, you got to utilize what they're the best at. Uh, Yeah, especially when neither one of them have been on the field yet. So that's (laughs) – things are going well for the Giants. I'm sorry. Yeah, I I don't care. I really (laughs) don't. I can't stress this enough. Um, Okay, so – where uh, TA. I mean, to jump in. Yeah, I, yeah, so I got two more. I'll just hit those. I'll just hit them now. I'll just put them together. Uh, so one is, you know, I actually wrote about it um, a few months ago for defensive player of the or defensive rookie of the year. Take a little shot because uh, I don't think there's a standout here. I'm putting ten bucks on Nick Bolton, twenty-five to one. Um, really, just a matter of he's going to be playing in a lot of high-profile games. Um, obviously, with the Chiefs, he's going to be their starting middle linebacker. He already leads the Chiefs uh, linebackers in snaps so far in preseason. Um, and I just think he's going to be in the middle of a, of a defense that's going to be playing you know, teams that are going to be throwing a lot and, and, you know, running the ball a lot, like a lot. They're going to need to score against Kansas City, so he's going to be active in that way. 
Um, so I think he's going to rack up a bunch of tackles. Um, it's just a matter of can he, you know, get an interception or two or a fumble recovery or two. Uh, but I think at that that price, and I think just the lack of competition, there's just not a lot of guys, you know, again, wrote about this on the site, like what goes in the defensive rookie of the year. Typically it's an edge rusher. It's almost all, it's always an edge rusher um, in the first round, uh, or at least the top half of the first round. It's like, those are the guys that really dominate you know, corners don't really get a lot of run because it's, you know, you need to get a lot of interceptions and those are pretty random. So it's, it's, you know, either linebackers that are kind of top two or three rounds, or actually top two rounds historically, or, you know, that rack up a bunch of tackles, you know, Darius Leonard did it a couple of years ago, or it's the edge rusher. And I don't think there's really a lot of edge rushers that I'm, you know, like scared of from a uh, rookie of the year perspective. So took a shot at, at Bolton here at 25 to one. And then my last, uh, player prop. And uh, this is just a pure minus 110 that I like the over. I took Tua for 25 bucks over 4,000 passing yards. Um, I also have the, this one. Yeah, he faces the easiest schedule of, of opposing pass defenses, according to EPA. I mean, I've talked about Tua being um, the best long shot uh, MVP. This is when he was at 66 to one a couple of months ago. He's, I think he's 40 to one now, so probably not worth it. But just, you know, he has the highest. I guess, variance um, at that position on a team that could win 10 plus games, which is what you need uh, to win MVP historically. So I, I just think that, you know, they're going to be throwing a lot. He's got really good weapons. If Will Fuller ever gets on the field uh, to go with Parker and Jalen Waddle and Mike Gusecki. So he's got the weapons, you know, he faces a, a obviously a, a good um, schedule from, you know, from a, from a passing standpoint. I mean, he faces teams like, I mean, you face the, the Raiders, um, in Jacksonville and Atlanta and Houston and the Jets and Carolina and, uh, you know, the Jets twice, obviously, in Tennessee, like just tons of opportunities for him to throw the ball. And I think, you know, again, I, I've talked about how I like the overs in a lot of the Miami games, especially early in the season. I think before the market really catches up because that defense just, you know, the, they really weren't as good as what they produced in terms of, um, you know, on a yards per play basis. They were like 23rd in the NFL but they were like top seven in EPA only because of turnovers. They led the NFL in um, uh, EPA created on, on defense uh, by turnovers. So that's going to be really hard to sustain. So I think they're going to play a lot more shootouts this year. Um, and so that's going to be conducive for, for Tua to, to throw the ball a lot more. And I just think he's going to be better. Like he's got an off season. He's not coming off that major injury. He, he gets the, we've seen good stuff, I think from, from him in the preseason. I don't know if you guys have broken that down, but I think he's looked, he's looked really good. He's, he, you know, thrown some um, really solid throws uh, in tight windows. And I think he's looked pretty good. So um, I, I think over 4,000 uh, and a half is a good, uh, good prop there. Um, you know, if, if you don't have that 66 to one MVP, I, I would, wouldn't, I would lay off at this point, but uh, over that passing yards, I think are pretty good. Yep. I had the same one uh, for a lot of the reasons you echo just, you know, and uh, you know, one, two of people, I think just got thrown in the bus a little bit, you know, coming off that severe injury yep. under the climate, he was a really good prospect. He's a really good college quarterback. And, you know, he was under the circumstances too, was saddled with, you know, Devontae Parker, who only was ahead of AJ Green and average yards for separation. He's kind of a clasher. Gasecki was actually only ahead of those two players. And Preston Williams was at the bottom of the league as well. You add two guys like Will Fuller and uh, Jalen Waddle, And it helps those guys that don't separate also get separation. You know, having those guys on the field, it helps them. So the, I just believe the offense is going to be significantly better. And like you have alluded to a bunch of times, this defense is not going to get the turnovers they had last year as well, which is going to kind of put them in a nice spot. And I think this offense will be a lot more aggressive this year anyways um, than they were with him when he took over, you know, in the kind of the spot start, the, 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 when he took over the starter and when they kind of were jerking him around a little bit. And, but, uh, for his, but yeah. and as far as bad as people say he was last year, I, I've seen some analysis that, you know, if you look historically, at least the last 10 years, he's kind of middle of the pack among rookie first round quarterbacks that have played. Like his performance wasn't like egregious. It just looks bad comparative to, you know, all well, quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, he'll always be compared to Justin Herbert now yeah. because that's the right. that's the downside. Is you know they they chose him over over Herbert and Herbert absolutely balled out as a rookie, uh, and that that's just the you know the comparison. But when I broke it down and I did a two article this offseason and showed that like he was as good as Joe Burrow per drop back as a rookie, but no one is like shading Joe Burrow. Like they were they were like basically as good. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm on board. I still believe too, as a, as a good quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I wrote about this at the end of last season and then I wrote uh, in, you know, the keys to a year two leap. Uh, there's a, a lot to like there. So I'm going to jump in. I have something, you know, 
somewhat related. Uh, I'm going to take uh, Jalen Waddles over uh, 750.5 um, for receiving yards. That's plus 100. I'm going to throw $10 on that. I kind of think Jalen Waddle is going to be in the Miami offense. What like a lot of people thought Jamar Chase was going to be in the Bengals offense. Like if you look at Jamar Chase's uh, over under for receiving yards, it's uh, 10, 25 and a half. And that's insane. Like we don't even have to like talk about some of the struggles he has. Cause I think those are, you know, have been overrated in the preseason, the drops or whatever. Um, but uh, if we look at kind of how Jalen Waddle has been used so far in the preseason, um, it's, you know, it been some of those screens and things, but I think he's going to be heavily involved. You know, like you said, TA, if, you know, Will Fuller ever gets onto the field, you know, we already know he's one game suspension. So that's a game where Jalen Waddle is probably going to be the number one just to start um, this season. Uh, we never know if his hamstrings are, are going to, you know, have him be able to, you know, play the the other you know, 16 games. Um, and when you look at Waddle, I think he's going to be a big part of this offense. I think they're going to design a lot of things. He's going to get some of those jet sweep passes um, that are going to count as receptions. Um, so there's like some free yards there. So I think they're going to do a lot of things to, to get him the ball. And Jalen Waddle's just really good. I think we kind of, you know, he was overlooked as a prospect a little bit because I think, you know, some he had some injury concerns also. Uh, but when you look at what, you know, the Alabama offense added when Jalen Waddle was targeted. It was like, it was, it was eight yards of difference when Jalen Waddle was targeted uh, to when anyone else was targeted on that Alabama offense last year. So he has that explosive play. He kind of, he has that kind of Tyreek Hill game shifting or ge- geometry shifting uh, type of impact. Uh, we haven't really seen him released a deep as often as I think he's going to be uh, in this offense uh, during the regular season. So I think there's just a lot of ways they are going to get him the ball. Um, so I, I know, you know, rookie wide receivers were seven fifty is, is a lot, but I just kind of think the way this offense is going to shape up the way they're probably going to use him, manufacture some touches for him. Uh, I kind of think he ends up uh, the number one option uh, in this offense by the time the season's over. So uh, I think uh, the, the upside for the yardage is, is absolutely there. Uh, so uh, how many more does, uh, does everybody else have? I'm all I, done. You're done. I've got a few other ones. I mean, I can just rapid fire because we're up against it. Yeah, I got a, uh, I got a few more too, and I can do that. Um, but yeah, I have two that kind of tie together. Uh, Gerald Everett over four receiving touchdowns, and then DK Metcalf long shot to lead the league in receiving touchdowns. Um, those are those are two I'm looking at. I mean, obviously, you look at Russell Wilson. He's been first or second in end zone pass attempts in each of the past four seasons. Uh, outside before last year, I mean, he was a guy that heavily targeted tight ends in the red zone as well. So I just feel like you're getting a, a really just light number on Gerald Everett for a guy that's going to be, you know, uh, uh, basically the full-time receiving, you know, kind of tight end in that offense, obviously familiar with Shane Waldron. And I think DK Metcalf just, he was already fifth in the NFL in receiving touchdowns last year at the position. And you look at the diversity he had from year two to from year one. And I think we're going to see that again in this offense. We're going to see a lot more of him coming, I think, you know, on crossers and digs, stuff over the middle of the field. You go back to that touchdown he had against the 49ers um, in the middle of the season last year where he catches, you know, the dig and he takes it 40 yards. Then we're going to see a lot more of him trying to kind of channeling that uh, inner ter- Terrell Owens that he has from his build instead of just being a strictly deep guy. So a guy that already has high touch and upside, uh, you know, he's still 14 to one. So he's not the lowest odds, but you know, still uh, I like taking a shot there. So I got those two Seattle touchdown totals. Yeah. I like both of this and you know, the, I'm assuming you like Russell Wilson then this year, right? <laughs> I mean, just, when do we not like Russell Wilson? <laughs> well, look, I have actually in a fantasy, in a dynasty league where he wasn't even kept. They kept Miles Gaskin over <laughs> Russell Wilson. It was like a sixth or seventh round pick because I think a lot of people are turned off by the, the second half of last year. But I mean, yeah. it's like, well, he's got a longer track record than that um, anyway. So um, uh, he's very, Seattle in general and, and Russell Wilson, I think are going under the radar a lot this year. Um, so that's a team that might sneak up on some people, uh, which is, which is interesting to say. Yeah. I think they'll have some, some more answers, uh, on, on offense to, uh, to counteract some of what the defenses were doing to them in the second half, uh, of the year. I think that like Rich said, I think there's going to be some, some more stuff going over the middle and, you know, it's kind of a, a chicken and the egg thing. Does Wilson not like going over the middle or does 
has that offense just never had anyone to go over the middle. And I think there have been some, you know, deep crossers and stuff that they've hit, but I think the, the at intermediate uh, middle uh, is going to be a much more targeted uh, area at this season. I think that's, that's going to help them out uh, a lot, uh, especially with the, with a tight end, like the Everett, I think that's probably one of the, the better pass catchers they've really had there like dynamically, who's going to be able to change some stuff. They've had some guys who can, you know, catch the ball but a guy who can can really make an impact there i think is is going to help them so i'll uh i'll go with uh, what else do i have here uh okay um, jc jackson over four and a half interceptions that is plus 120 i'm gonna put uh 20 on that you know interceptions mm-hmm. we know are kind of we don't don't know a year to year um you know you can't really count on them but with jc jackson you he kind of can. Um, yeah, I think he's just, he has some of the best ball skills uh, in the league. He had five interceptions in 2019. He had nine interceptions in 2020. Um, and that's to go with 10 passes defense in 2019 and 14 passes defense in, in 2020. So he doesn't even need to be at, he can be half as good as he was this past year um, and, and still hit that, that, uh, you know, five interception mark, especially if you're getting, you know, plus odds on this. I just think he's, he's a guy who is going to turn those types of opportunities into interceptions. He's a guy who has shown consistently that he has those ball skills. Um, the new England defense is going to be uh, a lot better than it was uh, last year. They're getting all those guys back the, the Dante Hightowers, uh, you know, Kyle Van Noy is back. They, they added some other pieces, you know, with the, the Matt Judons uh, of the world. So I, I think, and you're going to have, you know, Stefan Gilmore still uh, across from JC Jackson. I just think he's still one of the most underrated corners uh, in the league. And I think he's just a guy, one of those guys who you can, he's one of the exceptions where I think you can count on him, you know, getting his hands on the ball. And when his hands are on the ball, it is going to turn into an interception. It's not one of these guys that has, you know, a high passes defense total and no interceptions because he can't catch. That's just, that. that's not the case. So um, yeah, it, it's, I, I just I, I really like that number, so I think he can he can have five interceptions easy. Um, so I'll dive into one other uh, kind of weird one that um, that DraftKings has, where you can bet on some of the the next gen stat stuff. Um, so I'm going to take Raheem Mostert as the first. Dan is going to bet on this stuff. Yeah, as, <laughs> it, well, it's it, so when you spend as much time looking at some of the next gen that as I do um, for you kind of like know how, like what goes into it and, and what it takes to, you know, be the fastest ball carrier or whatever. First, it, it takes someone to be fast. So you would think like Tyreek Hill, but that's not really how it works, right? You need one, be fast and have a, a wide open area where you can hit max speed. Um, and that has been Raheem Moser usually because there's usually one gap in the, the San Francisco you know, rushing offense where most of it can, can take it. And he had the two fastest times um, as, as a ball carrier um, oh, last season uh, at uh, 23 uh, miles per hour in week two, uh, 22.7 in week one, um, you know, and, and it's usually a running back. Kenyon Drake was three, Jonathan Taylor was four. So it, it takes these, you know, open holes where you have enough time and enough free space to, uh, to get, to a, a max speed um you know what like you know daniel jones had the highest uh you know top speed uh for a quarterback last year it was on that eagles run you know it was kind of like uh, where you know your your toyota corolla could go 120 but it probably shouldn't um it was you know one of those things but, he popped the wheel yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that that engine was not supposed to go that fast it was not made um to to be going at that speed but that that's that's kind of what it takes but at you know plus 650 for a guy who had the two fastest times last year and i know he has some injury issues we don't know when if he's going to get on the field um but um i I just think that's a you know plus 650 that's that's like a longer shot than some of these other things that we think are are going to happen um and i think it has a a pretty good shot so you just uh, an open hole in that San Francisco running game is, I think, something you can bet on. Uh, having Mostert, who has already shown he can, you know, hit that top speed um, on some of those long runs. Um, 
And, and, and another thing I, I looked at, you know, Matt Giron to have the fastest sack at plus 2000. And that's another thing where it's going to be, you know, schemed up. Uh, it's got to be a schemed up like unblocked sack. And I think that is, you know, the type of thing Matt Giron is, is going to have in that New England offense. You look at it, it's always like some weird linebacker who has like the fastest sack. Like you're not going to have like a, a TJ Water, a Miles Garrett really um it's a guy who's going to be blitzing it's unblocked um i spent way too much time uh, looking at this stuff uh, so uh, the the judon thing is is not one of my official ones but uh i, I did look at it and at plus 2000 i thought i thought it was you know one of the better long shots here too of of something that could actually happen judon looks clean in that number nine man i'm a big fan of the number changes i'm a oh, big yeah. fan <laughs> yeah, I think I think for for some they've looked weird, but like for guys like Judon, it's uh, it's absolutely uh, it worked. And and in that role, he's going to play in that defense too. I think it's going to look even better. Like when you're um, you know when you're changing to a, a single digit and you're really not playing well, that's not going to look great. But I think when <laughs> when you like you have a, a number nine and you're you're playing well off the edge and and you're going to be set on these blitz and some of these exotic looks that the, that they're going to be doing, uh, it's going to help a lot more. Um, so I think my last one, if I'm looking at this correctly, yeah, I'm just a uh, uh, division uh, parlay between the the Chiefs and Packers uh, plus one thirty. Uh, I'm going to put ten dollars on that for both of those teams to win the division. Um, I don't see how either. I mean, I guess I see how those don't happen. But uh, if you look at, I, I those are the two divisions I f- would feel the most comfortable picking a winner. Uh, and the fact that you can combine those two and get uh, and get plus odds on those, I'm in. Nice, nice. I like that. MPH breakdowns from Dan. Uh, <laughs> I think I just have two left. See, I'll be real quick on them just because we're against it here. I for I have Oziz Ojolari, uh, you know, to win defensive rookie of the year. Just kind of the same thing. You're looking for a guy who can get counting stats. Where can sacks come from? This was a draft class that didn't have a lot of edge rushers taken highly. Um, you know, we I think all had we, that during our yeah. Our, I'm, our I'm awards, still right? you could, yeah. you could have gotten a lot better when we gave it out, uh, but I'm still just going to throw a couple shekels on it again. And then my last one is uh, Odell Beckham over six receiving touchdowns. Uh, I really feel like the the number is egregious because he hasn't had he hasn't had more than six touchdowns in the past four years. But if you look at a per game basis, he's paced for seven or more receiving touchdowns over a 17 game season. So if he just stays healthy, I think you're going to get it. I mean, the, the Browns offense, I think, is being a lot more aggressive this season as well. And you look at the the red zone targets that he's gotten his two years with the Browns uh, are very encouraging, and his his target share when the Browns do get in there in that area of the field. So I mean, I just feel like you're getting a freebie at six uh, on Odell. It's plus odds. Plus plus 100. So I'll definitely take him to get to at least seven tuts. I get it. It's, it's easy to forget. Odell Beckham is good. <laughs> I, I feel like that's, it's been glossed over uh, a lot. I think but Odell Beckham is a very good wide receiver. Yeah. I mean, I, I live just, this I life in the, the fantasy circles all the time. You know, if a, if a player has like a bad luck of injury run and the, you know, people just are like, well, I'm done with that guy. I'm done with them. And then, you know, Odell's been that for a couple of years, but you know, people are done, but you know, he's the cheapest he's ever been in fantasy. And he's, you know, a lot of people aren't even like really even talking about him as one of the league's best receivers anymore. No, he's explosive too. I mean, for, as a Browns fan, you know, he's not like, he's not going to give you 10 catches for hundred yards every game. Right. And he's going to have like those random, like the Cowboys game last year uh, with the, the, the Bengals game. Like he's going to have those explosive plays and he's going to get you 50, you know, long touchdowns. So he's going to, he's going to have those kind of outlier games that can win you, you know, fancy games, or even um, if he gets, you know, get into the playoffs. So I, I think from where he's being drafted, he definitely has the upside there. Uh, but you're just not going to get game to game, probably the, mm-hmm. the, the all-star level that, you know, you were getting early in his career, but um, now he, he's got, you know, uh, that, that offense is going to be more settled in now um, after a full season under Stefanski, they've got everybody back. So uh, he's definitely going to get opportunities, I think, to, to have some explosive plays. Yeah. That's it. There we go. <laughs> we did it. There were, we, uh, we, we went all over on, on that one, um, which, which I think is good. Uh, you know, some different things that we, we got to talk about. Um, so uh, I think next week, uh, the plan is to have the, uh, the team wins draft. So uh, something similar, but uh, um, you know. I had to just... pick my draft slot for winning last year. Yeah, sure. Yeah, we could do that. Is that the prize? The prize is I get to pick the draft. Sure. Oh, yeah. You get to listen. I 
pretty sure I picked first last year, and that did not help. <laughs> I, I picked the Super Bowl winner. That doesn't count. We don't. We didn't you get, get bonus, bonus points. points. Yeah, we, you, we, you we did not wait. Maybe. Yeah. All right. So maybe if we want to yeah, wait, uh, wait a little bit of, of these picks, uh, that would not have helped me either. I like changing um, the rules to benefit me afterwards. That's uh, that's. <laughs> That's what I'm um, all right, so uh, the, the plan is to, to do that uh, next week so we can uh, start prepping uh, now. Uh, so, uh, again, you can find all of our work on, on sharpfootballanalysis.com. Um, Rich is getting uh, deep into We talked at the beginning of the show about the fantasy drafts. You know, if you are doing a fantasy draft and not reading what Rich has written all offseason, um, I'd don't know what you're doing uh so uh, you can find uh, all of his work there we have a big hub with everything the the free articles uh, that he was writing all off season we have some of the 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 paywalled articles that have been up now that are really more specifically uh geared toward uh your drafts that should be coming up so uh, again you can find rich on twitter at what reeves you can find ta on twitter at clip ta find me on twitter at dan pizzuta thank you guys for listening we will talk to you again soon 